Holy crap. A new introduction to the podcast. But for real, though, the rest of it will come after this. I just want to thank you guys. Um, all the five-star ratings that we're getting on all the podcast apps is awesome. And I appreciate it when I hear people telling me that someone else told them about the podcast. So you guys rock. Uh, listen to the commercials or skip by them. It's cool. And your episode's on its way. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3 eqip.com a3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion a lip balm a hair conditioner honestly anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3 eqip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right. We're back with a, another episode and a, a follow-up from the last episode from Martin after some questions that he got. Yeah, I just wanted to follow up. I know that movie that's out, uh, Sound of Freedom, they talk about it too, but um, it's in regards to the human trafficking, the uh, $130 billion industry, and, you know, climbing. And that's not, the question I received is, is that all related to um, sex trafficking portion? Unfortunately, or I don't I shouldn't say unfortunately. Fortunately and unfortunately, no. Um, Part of that is uh, kind of a disgusting portion is uh, there's basically organ harvesting. So there's, I wish I was going to look this uh, article up, but I know there was a, um, a female and basically an adult female that was, uh, I would say, trafficked. And then they found bits and pieces of her uh, floating ashore um, because basically went on a dating app and met this guy, this guy. Took her, chopped her up, uh, sold her organs on the black market, and um, 
drew the rest of the pieces in the ocean and floated up. It's a disgusting story, but it's one example of uh, what we mean by organ harvesting, whether it's an adult or, you know, a lot of times it's, uh, you know, little kids too. So um, lots of dark things going on there. And some of the other stuff that's still in that $130 billion is is actual, actual slavery uh, going um, overseas. And then these kids or teenagers end up uh, yeah, becoming servants in you know, some wealthy elite's home. So. Hope that answers your question. Clear some things up. And it's a it's a weird thing to speak on as I guess an American because we have this blind view of the of humans and the world and justice. And to think that somebody could basically just call up and get a a liver from somebody who's compatible. Um you know, through, through dark means is just, it's almost not even mentionable yeah. as an American. But if you don't think that stuff like that goes on with the uber wealthy, um, some in our country and definitely in other countries, then you're just, you're, you're blind to reality because money will buy anything from the right people. And yeah. I, I think you hit it on the head. It's, you know, this evil is perpetuated by the greed. I mean, it's, it's all money driven, right? And I forgot to add the, you know, the drug portion of it too. So well, it's, it's unfortunate, but I think money brings a lot out of people. It's, I mean, the money is the driver, right? Mm-hmm. The, and and when, when we think about money, what do we necessarily think of because money is just uh money is just a means to an end right so when you have so and so from you know the cartel cartel a that is able to procure organs for uber wealthy people um why is he doing it well he's not doing it just to to put a few thousand dollars in his pocket he's doing it um because that that means that he is able to survive that much better. He is able to survive, you know, take care of his family. He is able to to buy a you know another fucking gold AK forty seven or whatever it is. But it it's not the money. It is the means that the money brings. Yeah. And you're never going to be, get rid of that. So how do you then take a step past that? Well, that's where I guess universal morality comes in is if you have a moral backbone or moral guidelines, um, then you have a I will do and I will not do to, you know, I guess better my life. And I think any of us that is that that's a spectrum, right? So it's yeah. like if it mean if it's a difference between being able to feed my starving kids and not feed my starving kids, then there's very little on this fucking earth. I'm not going to do, but if it's the difference between, you know, a Honda civic and a fucking Ferrari, I could give a shit. Right. You know? So that's what we have to remember is, is is everybody's doing this shit for a different reason. And the money is just a means to an end. You're never going to get rid of 
money. You're never going to get rid of wealth. You're never going to get rid of the, the fact that the more illegal something is, the, the higher the margin is in that, that trade, whether it's sex or drugs or organs. So if you want to try to improve that in the world, you prosecute it and you improve the morals of the world. And I think that that's something that we're not really focusing on, period. Yeah. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, I don't want to say ivory towers, it doesn't seem like that. It's sometimes we live in our ivory tower and, you know, we are wealthy as Americans, whether we like it or not. And um, the issue is, it goes back to this uh, one movie that I cannot remember. I think Demi Moore was in it, Woody Harrelson, and uh, that Paul Newman. Yeah, Paul Newman's an old dude. I don't know if he's the same old dude, but he's definitely an old dude. But it was, uh, I believe Paul Newman was the, um, I think it was Demi Moore, maybe it was. Paul Newman was uh, the millionaire, right? And the millionaire approaches him and says, for a million dollars, you know, can I have your wife for a night? Oh, yeah, I remember this movie. So, you know, it's it's easy when we're in the comfort of our chairs to think, oh, why would these people do that? But if you really think about it, what if, these are people that are making, you know, say you're in Mexico and, and you're making, you know, five to seven dollars an hour, right? You're barely squeaking by and you got, you're trying to support your family. All of a sudden, you're approached and they're like, hey, would you be willing to do this for $140,000 cash? All of a sudden, you're, you start checking your, how are you going to? lower your moral standards to accommodate that because you know like you're saying it's oh you're trying to provide for your family that's the i mean that that you know a hundred grand to the average person in a small town in mexico is probably like a million to the average person here in the united states yeah so if you just take that and you walked around and you said would you you know would you lure your neighbor out um and bash him over the head with a rock for a million dollars well there's a lot of people that wouldn't but guess what? There's a lot of people that would. would. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, there's a signs, there's desperation. I mean, you don't have the money and the means to, you know, make a living or support your family or support yourself. There's a level of desperation that's out there. And this is the weird thing too, is it's, it's one of the negatives because, you know, a lot of what has happened in the world over the last hundred thousand years has been positive but there is some negatives and this is the negatives of a um the agricultural age and the industrial age is the fact that 20,000 years not even 20,000 10,000 years ago um 5,000 years ago maybe getting there you could survive on your own with no money there wasn't there, there wasn't such thing you were able to hunt and gather and take care of yourself. And it wasn't the worry of, oh my God, how am I going to feed my kids? You literally were going out and picking foods to feed your kids. Yeah. Right. And now all of a sudden we are dependent on big industry and big business and government to basically make it so that we can survive. That's a weird, that's a weird thing to think of. Want though. Hmm? Yeah, and I don't, you know, chicken versus egg, right? Is that what they want, or that is what the power that they feed off of? And it wasn't necessarily put in place in purpose, on purpose to be that way. 
Yeah. But it's there, so they're capitalizing on it, right? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Because with, you know, like I said, without, without the industrial age, without the agricultural age, we wouldn't have anything that we have. You know, we wouldn't have cars, we wouldn't have phones, we wouldn't have the internet, we wouldn't have modern medicine. Yeah. It's like we wouldn't have any of that. But I guess there's, there's you know, there's the question for the ages is, is, is there a way to balance um, the hunter-gatherer self-sustaining lifestyle along with the industrial age? Hmm. I don't know. I'm so far away from how do we get this thing in a way called government? Yeah, that brings up my most recent my most recent book purchase. Oh, a hunter gatherer's guide to the twenty first century. Oh, I thought you got the book from Cook Dick's White House Cook Dick style. Oh, I didn't hear about that. You didn't hear about that? No, uh, I'm I'm not attached to current events. I'm going to be real honest with you. Yeah, the um, so the cook. The White House cook that was, uh, gosh, his name is, uh, don't quote me on this. I think his last name was Shaib or Shaib. William, maybe his first name. It just uh, escapes me because I got a ton of shit around my head right now. But um, they just found him basically. He was uh, paddle boarding, speaking of paddle boarding, um, and supposedly drowned because he couldn't swim when it shows on his social media um, history that, you know, he learned how to swim and was doing the backstroke and all kinds of different things in on the media because he was, uh, you know, because he's black, right? So yep. there's that stereotype. Uh, he was the executive chef at the White House for, oh, George W. And um, every other uh, establishment president since. So Trafari Campbell, is that right? Barry Campbell? I thought it was. I mean, I I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave people with a bunch of dead air. But the body of the chef Trafari Campbell, forty-five of Dumfries, Virginia, who was visiting Martha's Vineyard, was found just before ten a.m. Monday, about a hundred feet from shore, in Edgartown Great Pond. Oh, maybe it is Campbell. I'm thinking of another story. Former. Former oh, President no. Barack Obama and Michelle Obama were not at home at the time. No, not the same guy. Other no, somebody not, else. Not the, not the same guy because he. Uh, oh shit! This is another. I'm sorry. I, I pulled up history because. Okay, this is what happened: is Walter Scheib was the former executive chef for Bill Clinton, George Bush, and he drowned accidentally. 2015 after going on a hike in New Mexico. So, oh, okay. I so see what you're saying. Tafari is now the former White House sous chef of the Obamas, and he just passed. I believe it was uh, paddleboarding. So, I don't know. Maybe uh, that's your retirement as a White House chef. Drowning? Who knows? That's pretty weird because I can see like a lot of different people in the white house knowing too much where they just get suicided right yeah the chef does not seem in my mind like one of those people like it's not like they're out and about and listening in on you know intense conversations they're literally they're the executive chef you know what i mean like they probably have their own office they're working in the kitchen yeah 
I don't know, maybe it's kind of like a barber thing, you know? Everybody talks to the sous chef, right? Spills your, your beans while you're, you know, they're cooking up or waiting for their meal to be served. Who knows? Maybe they overhear heard stuff in the, uh, at the dining room table. That's interesting. We have this, we have this way of doing that, don't we? Where we're like, ooh, look at <laughs> that car's red and this other car's red. <laughs> yep. All cars must be red. You know, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's, that's an interesting thing to think of. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I had Shibe in there because, uh, yeah, I can tell you stories about, I got buddies that did security for, uh, the Clintons, all kinds of crazy ass stories. And, uh, yeah, this was one of them, which kind of brought up all of a sudden this other dude just passes. Holy shit. It was well, a pattern. And so that kind of, that kind of leads us into our topic for the day, right? Which <laughs> yeah. is, which is this, this team mentality gone wrong or tribalism gone wrong and the way that the way that this topic kind of popped up when we were when we were chatting was the fact that um if you talk to a a fox news watcher right uh, we're going to call them the the mainstream republican is what we'll call them okay yeah they can tell you every single fucking crooked democrat and everything that every clinton ever did right mm-hmm. but then you start to ask them about crooked republicans and they have no idea Right. Like this, like this George Santos. Um, and it's the exact opposite when you talk to a mainstream Democrat. So why is that? It's tribalism to protect your own. It's, it's that, it's that team mentality. Did you, and did you, did you, when I started, I knew this, I knew this George Santos was fucking ridiculous, but did you read some of this in my notes? Oh yeah, yeah. Like this dude, this dude blatantly lied that he worked for Goldman Sachs. Like, in his in his fucking uh, in his interviews for running for for uh, what is he a representative House of Representative for running new, for New York's third congressional district, he like was blatantly lying about where he went to school, where he graduated high school, the fact that he worked for Goldman Sachs. Realistically, when they start to look into this guy, yeah. he he was a uh, he he was a, a a gun for hire for a crooked investment company that that turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. And he would bring in high dollar marks and then they would pay him on a consignment basis. He didn't even fucking work for him. Yeah. And then he, he sat on the, on the, on trial, um, not on trial for him, but he sat in as a character witness for one of his friends who was being, um, accused of what was it? ATM tampering, skimming credit card numbers from ATM machines. And the judge asked for what, what do you do for work? And he tells him he worked for Goldman Sachs. Well, it turns out this friend comes out later saying, this is the crooked motherfucker that taught him how to skim the fucking <laughs> numbers from the ATM machines. Dang, man. First of all, why would anybody want to associate with Goldman Sachs nowadays? But it, it, So from what I understand is, I, I, I don't know, but from the books that I've read recently, actually, they talk about this is like, when, to say you work for Goldman Sachs yeah. um, is like, that's like in in the heyday of of cars, right? Yeah. To say that you work for GM, like it doesn't. It just means that you have paid your dues. It's okay. like the entry level where you learn how to you learn all the connections, you learn how to do all the shit. And if you've worked for Goldman Sachs and then made it past that, you've paid your dues and made it. You basically have that check on your resume. Is yeah. how I understand it. Well, well, that makes sense. So this dude was yeah, definitely effed up, but 
I don't know. I can think of a lot of uh, Republicans and even, you know, we talked about it. Did you get to hear that uh, Sean Ryan podcast with uh, Eli I, Crane? I did. I did. I was, I was intrigued. Um, not surprised. Uh, not surprised in one bit. And also, it's really interesting when you pull yourself out of kind of the thick of it. It would be really easy to look at what um they're talking about if you, do you want tell them tell them about this episode first and then we'll and then we'll start to talk more about it yeah the sean ryan show sean ryan's a team guy um and interviewed a second interview with uh eli crane eli crane is now in congress um prior the prior episode uh eli was running for congress at that time for uh state of arizona and he won and this recent episode of the sean ryan show he was just talking pretty candidly about the uh his first six months um in office uh, most of the items pretty much probably not what he should be talking about on the uh, whatever the the majority on what you want to call them do we want to call them elites i guess yeah um, that makes sense just referring to the that there is a uniparty in the background you know basically it's not that were just like what we're talking about, it's not the Republicans are all the good guys and Democrats are all the bad guys. It's pretty much um, there's faults all the way around and just, you know, stuff that we already can figure out. I mean, obviously there was an issue with uh, the Speaker McCarthy and remember when they kept um, voting, there was a, a small faction in there that kept voting him out um, and Eli Crane is one of them. So between Eli Crane and you got uh, Matt Gates um, and a few others, there there's a portion of that they call themselves. I forgot what is it. Is it the Freedom Caucus? Freedom Caucus. I was just literally trying to look it up, and once you said it, then it clicked. Yeah, the Freedom yeah. Caucus. So they're they're ones that are trying to hold true. But he talks about how yeah, once you get in, um, this you know this quote uniparty starts trying to to pull you in, basically to say oh, hey, you vote this way, vote that way, and. You know, there, there's stuff that I know. There's, you know, there's another team guy, you know, representing Wisconsin um, that all of a sudden was all about posting, all about here's what we're going to do. We're going to have term limits. You know, he gets in, boom, crickets, nothing. No action, nothing else. And, you know, and you can even say that about some of the uh, other team guys that have been on there for quite a while here, for the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, why is that? I think uh, they explained it pretty well. I mean, there's there's an underlying, uh, do we want to use dark? But I don't see, you can use dark, but what I picked up out of the episode is that, yes, there is dark and there is light. It's an underlying structural issue mm-hmm. because even the people that get in and, and have an expectation to do good, start to negotiate with what their interests are to try to get more done because it's so hard to get anything through that is not status quo yeah. that it's like, all right, I'm going to go with this, you know, this thing to get this guy on board. And I'm going to go with this thing to get this guy on board. And then all of a sudden you have basically manipulated yourself into a place that you have no interest in being just to try to get anything past that you have an actual interest in doing. Yeah. And I think that that, you know, while yes, I think that you're right, there is definitely some dark shit going on. 
I don't think saying that it's all dark um, is any help because I think it's a structural problem that can be manipulated by dark people, but also lost by good people. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's just the, you know, the left tribe and the right tribe, but it's even when listening to him too, it's everything is broken down. I mean, you got the freedom caucus that exists within you know, the Republican quote tribe, right? Yep. And then you got the, I forgot what they call those idiots on the, uh, the left. You got Tlaib and that other most annoying person that AOC. Yeah. I can't remember what their name was either, but yeah, the you're, radical yeah, the idiots. radical left. Yeah. So, you know, everything's all broken down and it's, yeah, there's a lot of complexity to it. And like you're saying, maybe they, you know, like he, he even said it himself, a lot of people go on with good uh, intentions and. And either they can't push stuff through or they are are pushed or, you know, they have to raise funding to stay elected. So unless you go into that position and say, hey, you know what, I'm, this is what I stand for. This is what the people I represent need. And if I get pushed out, I get pushed out there. Then you have Tulsi Gabbard. So. Yeah. And, and and I think that, you know, this is this is an interesting this is an interesting push for the, uh, you know, I've talked about it. It was probably been 30, 40 episodes ago that I talked about it, but some sort of a actual dependent democracy versus a representative democracy, something that depends on, on the population, not just the representative of the people. Um, because the reason we have a representative democracy is because when our, when our, when our government was founded, it, there was no possible way for the population to vote on every issue. There was no, there was no real way for the population to vote on any issues because this was horse and buggies and, and hand, you know, handwritten letters delivered by, by horses. So there's, there's absolutely no way. Well, we're past that. We are in a technological, you know, we are in a te an amazing technological place. Now, how do you secure that? I, I, that's a question for somebody that, that's way higher than me. And, and is it, does 100% of stuff go through the population? I don't think that's right either. So is it, you know, we add, a, we add a second tier to our government where it is, you know, some of it is uh, representative voted and then the same amount of weight is given to the populist vote or something to that effect. Um, but then I start to think about that and I look around and go, well, that we're already fucked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's that just underlying layer that I think sometimes we don't focus on at all as a population because, uh, they're too busy dividing us into the lefts and the rights. When I think it's, it's to a point now where to me, I think there's really only two main tribes in this, you know, organization chart, right? It's either you're going to be establishment or anti-establishment. And from underneath that, there's all the little factions. Yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting, that's an interesting way to put it because like, if you're anti-establishment, you're almost like nostalgic establishment, right? Because you're like, you want the original establishment that was that was put in place that hadn't been completely corrupted and destroyed and figured out all the ways to trick it and fool around it because you can't have no establishment because no right. establishment is anarchy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good way of putting it. So, I don't know. I see you uh, 
you know, we've hit on the right, but what about the left? Uh, you know, your buddy, uh, Bill and Hillary. Oh my God. I, it, I started looking this up and then I just, I had to almost comically just like pass through, pass over the list. Yeah. It's up to like 47 people or some insane number now that have been connected to the Clintons that have been found, you know, oddly dead. Yeah. Like, hopefully this podcast doesn't get listened to by enough people that that, that we end up on that list. But, I mean, it starts with the White House lawyer, Vince Foster, who was found after suicide, also happened to be involved in swirling ethics investigations into the Clintons. He was found, like, in the middle of, you know, uh, Central Park, dead, with his wallet and watch still on him, I think. Yeah. Um. And, and and there's there's 30 other people that are on that list that are similar circumstances where it's like they didn't necessarily say that they knew specific things, but they were in a place of power where they could know things and then they get found dead. Yeah. If you touch that Clinton Foundation at all, boom, it's like almost it's poison. And who was that? Uh, who who was that? That. DNC representative that was found outside his apartment and they, they claimed that he died of a mugging, but he had everything literally his iPhone wallet, wallet and watch still on. Yeah. That was during, that was during who did she push out in the beginning of that, of that uh, DNC convention? I know the ones after Wasserman. So I think follow up. Okay. And I can't remember who that was, but it was like right after she basically, took over the, the, the DNC and she did not have the most popular, you know, numbers at that point. But then it's almost like this guy would have been in place to kind of be part of that. And then he just disappears. doesn't disappear. He gets found suicided. Oh, uh, Seth Rich. There you go. That's who it was. DNC staffer. Yep. The murder of. And so, you know, and, th- and this is the thing, man, it's, it's really, this is where you start to, you start to listen to the, the tinfoil hats and they start to talk about lizard people. And you're like, you know, I'm not saying that there's a group of people that are actually lizards that wear human faces, but I'm saying that there may be a group of people that are fucked up enough that they manipulate things like the Clinton Foundation to rule the world or at least as much power as they can yeah and why is it about a legacy because what what makes the most power money money makes the most power it does yeah i know man so how much money is enough money though well and i think that's that's the weird thing is that at that point it's not even it's not even about it i think you're probably too far in at that point kind of like how the kind of like how we're talking about politicians yeah you, you just know gotta keep keep that train rolling yeah you're gonna you, get caught you're too far in or what are you gonna do stand up and say hey i'm crooked yeah which i don't know man it's uh it's just insane it's to me, it goes back to, you know, when everybody was after uh, Trump's tax record, you know, and it's just almost like common sense, like, okay, they got this billionaire dude that runs for office and everybody's like questioning you know, his tax record. 
person. I mean, if they're going to be off, they're going to be off, right? But he's made that money before going into office. But yet you have all these uh, Congress folks. You got the, you know, last few presidents. They go in worth X amount, and they come out just exponentially greater. And no one questions that? Well, I mean, we realize that the American people are, are generally idiots, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know if have you seen that. Uh, there's a reel that uh, Ted Nugent uh, was on a. Uh, I don't know what news network it was, but they were interviewing him, and I know it was basically it was surrounding. Okay, I don't think I've seen that one. You should bring it up, place, but you actually have to see it. But the but the guy that was interviewing him, it was a uh, looks like a a remote interview, obviously, and the guy's like, so. Uh, you know, what do you think of uh, all the folks that, you know, got vaccinated and blah, 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 since you're not vaccinated? Um, and this isn't, I, I'm probably misquoting, but the, this is the exact thing that uh, Ted Nugent also replied back. He's like, well, let me speak to them with the language that I think they uh, they will for sure understand. And so he goes, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> well, so that's funny, right? Like, that's, that's. That's funny. It's going to it's going to play on social media. But yeah. realistically, get vaccinated. I don't give a fuck because yeah. that that's the beauty of the country that we live in right. is is if a vaccine is out there and you want to get it, go get it, man. But, but where it goes wrong is when people are being forced to get it to keep their jobs. Right. Or or when nobody questions saying, OK, what's the risk? Is is there a risk? I mean, what's the fatality risk of you know, the pandemic? But look look around, though. Look at what people do with their bodies. Look at what they do with their minds. Look at what they do with their money. I don't... Are they questioning anything that they do? Oh, that's that's for damn sure. I saw some old, insanely overweight person in a... God, man, it was a convertible yesterday. Driving outside. It was in the morning when the weather was perfect. And he had a mask on, flying down the street. That was. I mean, at least he's the he's the type of. Maybe it's because of the particulates. I have to I have to say that that was one thing I forgot is that we have all the shit in the air right now from the from the wildfires. So we were out Monday and we saw a bunch of people with masks on, and I'm like, what the fuck are these people still doing wearing (laughs) wearing masks? And then I was reminded that it was like we're still at like 150 parts per million of shit in the air. So. Um, but you know, that's the thing is I am, I, I, I am that interested in freedom that I'm like, if you want to eat 74 cheeseburgers and get your vaccine, then you should be able to eat 74 cheeseburgers and get your vaccine where it starts to become a problem is, is in when I have to pay for your healthcare. Exactly. So how do we balance those two things? How do we balance? Um, taking care of the weakest because that is really how you judge a society, right? Is how they yeah. take care of the of their weakest. But a lot of that type of society is what they're driven, and I don't driven and I wouldn't say motivated, but driven and herded by whatever the media is pushing, right? So let's say the media is pushing, you know, you need to eat healthier, and here's you know some tips for you to do. I guarantee that these people will be like, oh, okay, well, this has got to be the new fad, right? Okay, I'm going to eat healthier. 
Beto. That, that would be a novel that would be a novel approach of a surgeon general that was put in place that actually wanted to improve the health of the American people. Yeah. Yeah, just look at our administration right now, the people that are giving you health advice. I guess you tell me how how they look. So let's write it off, right? Let's we, we write off the fact that government is basically fucked and I don't necessarily know that we're gonna be able to fix it. They're gonna take a certain amount of money and they're gonna do what they want. How do we then start to improve everything else without blowing up the system? Cause I really, you know, I got kids, I don't really want to you know, be Guy Fox and blow up Parliament. So, how do we start to actually fix this fucked up tribal system? Uh, I guess not falling into the tribalism in your own. I mean, start from yourself. I see some of the destructive habits. I think you already outlined a ton of the negative effects that you know tribalism can have. There's a lot of things I can. I can just see people spend their lives on trying to be, you know, part of that saying that, you know, we want to belong. And I think a lot of times people choose a tribe just to belong, not really who they are. Yeah, I could definitely see that because we have that drive as human beings to be a part of something. And when we're not a part of something, we feel lost and we feel empty. So. You know, and that's that's where I think things like, for the lack of a better example, I think that's where things like CrossFit come in. I knew you were going to say that. You did, didn't you? I was going through my head. You did, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. And I do. I think that, hey, man, you could be part of a, you could be part of MS-13 and you could be out there gangbanging, or you could be doing CrossFit and telling everybody that you know about how awesome CrossFit is. And I'm going to go ahead and say that that's a, definitely a better option. Yeah, right? Sure. I mean, MS-13 gets some nice tattoos. Uh, population there. control yeah you know, robin hood redistribution the wealth oh god yeah to the, <laughs> to the cartel <laughs> you know it's gotta go somewhere right that's true but i just i i want to try to you know and we're do we're doing it our own way but of the hundreds of people that listen to this what can they do and i think the first thing is is to have some grace when you're talking to someone and you start to get that especially somebody that doesn't necessarily agree with you or have the same opinions as you. And you start to get that kind of visceral reaction, that kind of heated, like want to go to battle reaction. Cause we all get it. If you're, if you're, if you have a belief about something and somebody's questioning your belief, holy shit, do you get that kind of defensive posture? Right. Yeah. But if you can learn to practice some grace and to practice some love for your fellow man and to realize that that human being, is not coming from a place where they want to damage you or they, where they want to damage your family. They are coming from a place where they think that what they are saying is what's best. And your job is not to demand that they think your way. Your job is to show them what you think and then leave them to process what you've said and process the type of person that you are and process how successful you are and how how you know put together you seem and think oh well that that martin you know he says a lot of he says a lot of kooky things i don't know if i agree with him but he really is a good guy maybe next time i'll ask him about this one little thing right because it's not like in a 5 minute conversation you're going to change somebody's mind they're saying i say kooky stuff 
What? I mean, you, you say some kooky <laughs> shit, but I was using you as an example. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Oh. But, you know, it's, it's lead by example. It's inspire the people around you to be better and to do better, but not by force, by inspiration, by them seeing you. Right? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. It's an example. I think some of the listeners will probably come back and say, half the people I talk to can't, you know, they won't process it anyway. They're just stuck on their own opinions. What do you say to that? You're right, they won't. But from a man of Jesus, I would think that you would understand that if you proselytize for your entire life and save one person, then it's been worth it, right? Yeah. No, it's... uh. That's probably uh, true because even though I'm a man of Jesus, uh, it's still sometimes, I shouldn't say sometimes, almost all the time when I walk around, I, I feel like I need to deliver somebody a punch in the face. And, and that's, where, that's where I've tried to improve. And it's, it's a practice, right? It's not, nobody's great at it. And I'm better at it today than I was a year ago. And God willing, I'll be better at it a year from now than I am now. But it is taking that deep breath, stepping back, and realizing that the person you're dealing with, the person you're talking to, has their own life. They have their own damage. They have their own uh, uh, history. They have their own um, ideology. And you need to realize that, that they are not just going to come to your side. They are not trying to specifically, you know, damage you probably. But if you can control your own ego and just come at them with love and grace and respect, but a place of knowledge, all your job is is to plant a seed and then walk away and then plant a seed, and then walk away. And out of those hundred seeds or thousand seeds that you plant, if 10 of them you see again and they go, hey, remember that thing we were talking about? I wanted to ask you another question. Then you've done better than a thousand arguments. Yeah. Now, I say that, because I say that with also the next statement being, I am still not great at it. I don't think that uh, anybody's perfected it. Um, I mean, my advice would be, and this is what I do is, uh, and we've talked about before, is just uh, I've learned to serve. And, you know, for, you know, for those Christians out there, a lot of times we pray for opportunities to help. And um, I guarantee when you do that, those opportunities, like, they always come 100% guarantee, um, whether people think it's a coincidence or not. But, um, I'll share a recent example is, uh, gosh, you know, I mean, I walk and I, I talk to God and I'm like the most imperfect person that talks to God. But, um, a lot of times he'll just throw something in my path and dude, it was like a week ago I was deciding, well, I'm gonna take a Sunday afternoon and try to get some, you know, some shit done and, you know, relax when my kids go to a birthday party. And then I, go driving by uh, the shopping center that I was, you know, trying to pick up a couple things for the house. And all of a sudden I sense that there's a kid in distress. And maybe that's some of my background too, is all of a sudden I'm like, ah, shit, I look at a situation and there's a person in distress. 
And I'm like, ah, crap. So I pull over. I walk up to this kid. This kid's like scared shitless. How old is this kid? I would probably say right now he's probably, I don't know, 19, 20. Okay, got it. And um, definitely looks like uh, he's been sleeping uh, outside. And he's trying to, like, walk away from me because probably I'm guessing some big Asian dude comes, you know, walking at you. You're probably like, oh, shit. That's fair. And and I said, hey, do you need some help? And he's like, yeah, I haven't eaten in a couple of days. Um, you know, do you have any food or anything? I'm just like, dude, well, dude, you're right by a market there. You know, I said, here, take, you know, take this and, and just get something to eat. And I was just asking him questions. And, you know, this is a dude that, uh, a kid that both his parents, you know, recently died and they overdosed and he ends up on the street. So all of a sudden you're, you're put in a situation where it's like, you know what? I don't care what tribe he's in. I don't care what his political beliefs are. I don't care if, you know, he likes the same things I do or has a strong opinion about something else. All of a sudden it just whittles it down to, hey, this person needs the basics, right? I mean, we're right, it's 90 degree weather, so this person what needs water. Yep. He needs sustenance, food, and he needs shelter, and the dude needs a shower. So, you know, and talking with him and following up with him, you know, you know, he's he's been able to get a little bit of help, but it's um it's just not enough. So, you know, I had to go and ask, you know, other people and other groups to say, hey, do we have resources that can, you know, help help get this kid, you know, off the street? So I think sometimes it's for us, you know, like you said, is uh, not just being open to just listen, but it's also comes to a point where, you know what, we need to find common points of of interest. And in this case, it's like, hey, it's just, it's food. Sometimes you got to break bread with somebody that you have absolutely nothing in common with. Or sometimes somebody just needs help, and by helping others, you focus less on yourself and focus less on what you're trying to, like, impart upon other people, right? And, uh, you know, so I'm just through that plug-in. So if uh, any of you want to contribute or, or help this kid, you know, working on getting this kid into a program, I hate to put the plug in. Here we go. No, that's that's so, that's, that's totally – it's a worthy plug, man, and it's – we're – when it comes down to it, and this is the weirdest thing is, is we're all just human beings and in a time of crisis, whether it's a crisis for one or a crisis for many, we all of a sudden all start to realize that and we take off our, our rose colored glasses and we quit worrying about, about bullshit, right? Like right after nine 11, you looked around and it was like, America was sad, yeah. but they were also they were also the nicest and most supportive that they ever have been. Yeah. I mean, it was one cause at that point, you know, everybody had, you know, one view of things and what was, what really mattered instead of now, I think we've gotten to a point where, yeah, we've gotten soft and everybody's, you know, in their factions and opinions and, and whatnot. And there's a lot of hurting people that are out there. So, yeah, again, I mean, if you want to help and contribute, just, you know, DM me and, uh, yeah, want to be involved. I think there's just not just, you know, people that are here that need help, but probably people in your communities around the, the country and around the world that are listening to us. So if we can contribute and help in your situation. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, and 
realize that while we are all in disagreement about how to get to point C um, from point B, that is really the fact that we all have the same goals in mind. And that is a good world for our kids, a soft pillow to sleep on at night, a full belly, and um, a full heart. And you and I may not agree about how to get there, but I think we both have the same goals. And if we could just quit arguing about how we're going to get there and start to just kind of commiserate about where we would like to be and where we're at and what struggles we have instead of we need to put all of our money into this and all of our money into this, right? Like, like education is a really, is a really simple one to look at. Yeah. You've got one side of the argument that says that we need to stick more money in education. And then you got the other side that says we spend the most in the world per capita on education. And we're like the bottom third of performance. And I think that the intelligent person there goes, well, you're both right and you're both wrong. We need to spend more, but we don't need to spend more the way that we're spending more now. We need to spend more on the quality of teachers. We need to spend more on the quality of, of what we're teaching. We don't need to spend more on more administrators. We don't need to spend more on fancier schools. Um, look at Finland, man. Finland has one of the top performing public education systems. And when you really start to dig into why Finnish education is, is so, I guess, successful, it, it has really nothing to do with the Finnish people. It has all to do with the, the attitude over Finnish teachers. Finnish teachers are treated like physicians. Um, they are paid well, not amazingly, um, probably, you know, 50% over average. If you looked at what the average income was in the, in the country and what, if, and what a teacher is paid. Um, but they are, and before you want to start bitching about that, if you're, if you're a teacher in the United States, the average income is only $30,000. So trust me, you're making more than that. Um, but what it is, is they are actually, they're looked at as a, as an upstanding member of the community and they are always looking to improve and they are, they take their jobs seriously and they are always looking elsewhere to improve their, their, their career, right. Or their, 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 what is that called? Your vocation. Yeah. They're always looking to in, in, improve their vocation. and that mentality towards teachers and that mentality that teachers have in that country, they're respected. And that has to do with why the Finnish education system is so strong, not anything else, because they spend less per kid than we do. And yeah. they outperform us in almost everything. Yeah. And I think we've become a society here in the U.S. that, you know, we throw money at the problem. Instead of thinking about okay, what's what is something we all have in common that you know we can align with, and I think that's where you know we go back to talking about the structure of politics. 
is the I think the only way to strip down the and rebuild the structure in politics is to get the quote tribes together and say what what do we have in common about you know education right we're concerned about child safety we're concerned about you know kids learning you know where we suck at is reading you know math writing I don't think kids even know how to write anymore um just get back to basics on on the things that we all have in common I mean we all agree that you know murder is wrong right I hope but there's a lot of stuff that's bipartisan, but we've become so clouded because we're just too busy, you know, pushing our own ideologies. Think about it. Uh, you know, we have a massive U.S. deficit problem. And what does that, that point to our leadership or with our tribes on both sides is there's a lack of accountability. Um, you know, Warren Buffett, he said he could fix the U.S. deficit problem in five minutes. Remember that? Yeah, well, was it tie the compensation of the people making the decisions to the to the debt? Yeah, if there's a deficit of uh, more than three percent of GDP, um, sitting members of Congress would be eligible for re-election. There you go. So all of a sudden, that just boom, you put you know, there's incentive there, right? Yeah. There's there's uh, consequences, also, and all of a sudden it's going to work. It's kind of like saying the same thing about what health insurance, right? Um, whatever uh, level of health insurance the public gets, that's what the, uh, you know, your government, your Congress would uh, get as well. And all of a sudden you're going to see healthcare just boom, improve. So healthcare is a really weird one. I don't really want to get in. I don't want to dig into it because we're already pretty much recorded for the episode. But one thing with healthcare, it, it, there's a lot of people that want to tout a, a national one payer system where mm-hmm. the government pays for your healthcare. Uh, the issue there is <laughs> we are the home of innovation for healthcare for the world. And the reason we are, whether you like it or not, the reason we are the hotbed of innovation for healthcare is because of the massive amount of money that you can possibly make by innovating in healthcare. So the minute you take that to a single payer system and there is no more um, giant carrot, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the innovation in healthcare slows way the fuck down. Yeah. Or it goes elsewhere. So how do you put accountability system that is not taking advantage of the people, let's say, you know, pushing a drug out that's not ready just for profit? Artificial intelligence? <laughs> Come full circle. And AI is the solution to everything, right? We're here. I don't. It, the the thing is, is is you're you're just ushering the Terminator uh, era here. Yeah, I for sure am. Um, maybe I'm optimistic in the fact that we could implement it to a to a way that it makes us better, not worse. Um, but I'm also like, when you pull a bandaid off, do you pull it really slow and just feel the pain? Or do you pull it off really fast and have a little bit more pain, but for a lot shorter time? Yeah. But I'm just trying to pull the fucking Band-Aid off. I know, you know, when you do that to a child, what does a child always want to do? He wants it slow because he thinks it's going to be, you know, more bearable. Yeah, so I'm the adult here and you're the child. Just rip the fucking Band-Aid. 
Yeah, the majority of the country don't think that way, man. And do you agree with the rest of the majority, the way the majority of the country thinks? I don't know. How are we doing? How's the thermometer in the country? Pretty shitty. Yeah. So, addressing tribalism. Yeah, we didn't even fucking, we barely talked about tribalism, but I think we talk about tribalism enough. Um, just be aware of your biases, I guess, is, is, is the goal here. Be aware that if you generally watch Newsmax and Fox News, you are, you are going to only be getting one side of the story. If you generally watch MSNBC, um, you are only going to be getting one side of the story. Just be aware. Yeah, I mean, how many resources are out there? Look at both sides. You think Tucker Carlson's a good one? I don't know. Um, he seems to, they just see him in the, uh, what was it? The I think now, probably. Now, after leaving Fox. He's take the Fox shackles off? I think so. Yeah, I mean, he I'd have, I, 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 I need to see more of what he does. I need to see more of how he, how he develops. But I think that he has the ability to be that. See him ruin Mike Pence? I did not see him ruin Mike Pence. Oh, seriously? Yeah, was it good? Yeah, it, it's very good. I mean, Tucker's kind of his, uh, his own thing. He just did a really good interview with uh, Ice Cube. But um, I forgot which. It was after the, what was that? That wasn't CPAC. It was a different uh, convention. And he pretty much destroyed uh, Mike Pence because he was interviewing all the candidates. Okay. And uh, he destroyed Mike Pence and he killed, uh, what's his name, Asa, um, that business dude slash politician, Asa Hutchinson. I don't know who that is. Yeah, he killed him too. So, um, yeah, worth watching if you can uh, dig up a, a Tucker Carlson interview with Mike Pence or Tucker Carlson interview with Asa, Asa Hutchinson. Just crushes them. Well, good, and we need we need more of that. We need more of you know we need more of just people being real. And fuck, man, we just let's just get some let's get some of those people on this podcast because I realize that we're not big enough to get any of those big people on here. But if we were to, um, you can't bullshit your way through this long form conversation the yeah. way the way that you can a thirty second interview. Yeah, no, that that's true. I think. Uh... What makes uh, Rogan as popular as he is, right? Yep. Although he's he's sold out now too, so you think so? I just I think that he's scared. I think that he his his lifestyle is now tied to his to his income from the podcast, and I think he's nervous now to uh, take any sides or have any sway or interview anyone that he could um, push them over the edge of popularity. And then he could be the one that is responsible for them becoming, you know, whatever the next thing is that they are going to be. He he wants to just have hands off. He wants to just keep it keep it silly. Or do you think he does that because mentally he tries to stay unbiased? Could be. Or are you referring to uh, him not having uh, Trump on? Uh, he 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 has said multiple times that he he doesn't want to take any sides. He doesn't want to have politicians on, um, or big politicians on. Because he doesn't want to give them the, um, he doesn't want he doesn't want to take sides, and it could be that he's trying to be unbiased. It could be that he's worried about his paycheck going away. Which, mind you, if I had a you know if I had a hundred million dollar payday, I can't say, I can't say that I'd be any different. I don't know. Yeah, you don't know until you're there, right? Yeah. 
Well, let me circle back to the the tribalism. So, what do you think? So, if you're trying to get yourself out of, you know, this tribalism type of mentality, how would you do that politically? Would you also declare yourself independent? So, so I think that it's it's about the action. It's no, it's not about the declaration. It's about the action. And you know, it's 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 like talk therapy versus actual cognitive behavioral therapy, and you can talk about your problem, right? You can talk about being independent. You can talk about um, caring about both sides, but really it comes down to the action. What is the action? The action is making sure that you are searching out the news on both sides. So when you hear something about a um, something political, anything political, then you specifically try to search out the other side so that you can try to understand the other side of, of what is being talked about. Um, when you hear someone and you get that initial visceral reaction because they are arguing with something that you don't believe, um, instead of just blatantly arguing back, you try to see where they're coming from. And these are all, these are all the actions and actions speak louder than words. I can say I'm an, I'm an independent. I can say I'm a libertarian. I can say I'm a fucking purple unicorn, but the actions of how you are contributing every day or every time you have the chance is what is going to depend on whether you are part of the problem or part of the cure. So basically you sit there and you ask yourself if you're currently a Democrat or Republican, you would say, so why do I believe or why do I take that stand or associate myself with that? Then you do the research as to what is a Democrat, what is a Republican? I don't even think that you, does it matter what the label is? I don't know if, if you're, you're voting if you, all the way down the ticket. If you're just voting, yeah. if you're just voting for the ticket, then it doesn't. Then I guess yeah. Then that's that. Then that. Then that's you your be answer. Yourself, yeah. But if you're voting for each individual race and the best person for the job, um, then I guess you would be an independent. But you're not an independent because you say I'm an independent. You're an independent because you are voting independently. Your actions. Your actions. Not your label. Many labels out there, man. I think that's a wrap. We've talked circles around this problem and we haven't solved a goddamn thing. (laughs) Sound good? Sounds good to me. Maybe we'll solve it next week. All right. Peace. Peace.